Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. Mark, chapter 9. Had kind of a flashback when uh, Phil was talking about where people sit, you know, whenever you're used to looking out on a congregation. You're used to seeing people at certain places. And, uh, you know, when you miss them, you look in their spot and it's not, they're not there. When I turned 50 years old and I stood up before my congregation, I noticed that every person was dressed in black. <laughs> and every single one of them had moved to another spot. And I got up there and I said, you guys think y'all are funny, don't you? Strange how you keep up with that. Mark chapter 9, verse 30 through 37. Someone once said there's two times in your life when you are at your smartest. Two times when you're at your smartest. At the age of four and at the age of 17. You are smartest at the age of four because you know all the questions. You are smartest at the age of 17 because you know all the answers. I suppose that means that if you want to stay young, you need to keep asking questions. But it helps if you ask smart questions. Now, I know what your teacher told you. Your teacher told you there are no dumb questions. But I've heard a lot of folks that came pretty close. And I've heard some folks that asked some really good questions, some really smart questions, questions that make you think. This morning I want to start a series on smart questions. And we're going to look at one answer to Four very smart questions. Four questions that Jesus deals with on his way to the cross. They're intended to make you think. And the first one's found in this passage of Scripture. Mark chapter 9, verse 30 through 32. Would you stand with me, please? In honor of our Lord and his word. Let's begin reading. Mark chapter 9, verse 30. This is the word of our God. Then they departed from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know it. For he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise the third day. But they did not understand this saying and were afraid to ask him. Let's pray. Our Lord, we come to you now, we ask you to please open the mind of our heart, open the eyes of our heart, open the ears of our heart, open our understanding. And Lord, not only help us not to, or not only help us to intellectually understand what these verses are saying, but help us hear from your heart to our heart. Lord, that's the only way we can be changed. That's the only way your word and your spirit can work in our lives. And Lord, that's something that a preacher can't conjure. That's something that, that nobody can, can just pull out of a hat. has to happen by your grace. has to happen by your spirit. And I'll pray that you'll do that and believe that you'll do that. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. First question is, where are you going? Where are you going? Everybody's headed somewhere, aren't they? A lot of folks headed to the grocery store, to the doctor, uh, tomorrow morning they'll be headed to work. We're always going out to eat or going to a ball game, and once in a while even 
Some of us are going to church. Before you get in the car, you pretty much have an idea of where you're going. What I want to ask you to do is to broaden that question this morning. I want you to not just think about where you are going physically. I want you to think about where you are going spiritually. Are you going closer to God or are you falling farther away from him? Are you headed for success? Are you headed for happiness? Are you headed for failure or for misery? Not only where are you going, where should you be going? Jesus' 12 disciples have chosen their road. They have chosen to follow Jesus. But sometimes they don't have any idea where he's going. They, they just wonder, where is he going to take us next? And at this portion of Scripture, he leads them back to Galilee, they, it's where he does a lot of his preaching, a lot of his healing. And he tells them the second time where he's going. I want you to understand, he also tells them where they are going. First of all, he tells them where they are going. Jesus is going to the cross. Do you ever, uh, you ever stop to think how you got from where you were to where you are? You ever look back at pictures of uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago and seeing where you were and then look at your life today. How did you get there? You ever wonder how much of that was planned by me? How much of that was planned by God? Well, there's no wondering with Jesus. From the time he's born, there is no doubt about where he's going. Now, that isn't always clear to his disciples, but they follow him as he preaches to multitudes and heals the sick and casts out demons and feeds thousands, follows him as he calms the storm and raises the dead and outwits his enemies. Now, where is he going to lead them? Where is he going to lead them now? He's going to lead them in a direction they're not going to expect. Look in verse 31. For he taught his disciples and said to them, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him. Now everybody look up here. That is not on the disciples' itinerary. That's not where they plan on going. What they want to do is say, listen, let's get to the part where you set up your kingdom. Let's get to the part where we sit on those thrones. Let's get to the part where all our enemies are defeated. Let's get to that part. Jesus maps a different path. He says he will be betrayed. Somebody's going to sell him out. He's going to fall into the hands of his enemies, the people that want to murder him, and they're going to do it. They are going to kill him. That doesn't make any sense to the disciples. I mean, here you have a man that can read your mind, that can read your thoughts. How could anybody betray him? Here's a man who sends demons packing. How in the world could anybody defeat him? Here's a man who has resurrected the dead. How in the world can anybody kill him? So it's no wonder in verse 32 it says, they did not understand. They did not understand this saying. It doesn't compute with their idea of a Messiah to be suffering or defeated or dying. And yet, that is God's plan for Jesus. That is the reason why also that he calls himself the Son of Man. That's one of Jesus' favorite names for himself. Sometimes the Bible will call him the Son of God. And what it's saying when it calls him the Son of God is that he uh, shares the same essence as God. He is the second member of the Trinity, it's like um, uh, a human son shares the essence of his human father. 
God the Son shares the same essence of God the Father. When he, when he, when he mentions or calls himself the Son of Man, he's stressing his humanity. He's saying, not only am I all-powerful, not only am I all-knowing, but I can suffer. I can feel the pain of betrayal, the shame of mockery. Now, from where we stand, we know what all this is about. We look back, and as Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 15.3, he said, uh, I delivered to you first of all that which I received. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. We know that, but they didn't. And that's why it says they did not understand this saying. Before they can really understand, before they can really make out where they're going, they need to know where Jesus is going. It's also true for you. Constantly amazed the closer we get to Easter to find out how mixed up people are. Especially mixed up about Jesus and where he goes and why. You can pick up a news magazine, maybe even the newspaper, and they'll talk about how tragic it was. Here was this good man that did all these good things, uh, betrayed by his friend, assassinated by his enemies, that's the world, isn't it? Only the good die young. I want you to understand something. The cross is not a tragedy. It is part of God's plan. Acts 2.23, it says, Him, speaking of Jesus, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. Now, that doesn't mean God forces Judas to betray him. It doesn't mean he forces Jesus' enemies to crucify him. What it does mean is that's God's plan. That is his plan for saving our souls. When, the, uh, when you're reading a mystery or when you're reading the paper, you find out that the police have found a dead body. One of the most important things they have to determine about that body is, was it an accident or was it on purpose? Did that person just die from natural causes by accident or was there's somebody else behind it. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus' death on the cross was not accidental. It was on purpose. He dies in your place. He dies for your sins. He dies to satisfy the justice of God. Jesus goes to the cross for me, and he goes to the cross for you. That's where he's going. Now, if you want to follow him, you've got to believe that. You've got to know that. You can't just read it. You can't just listen to somebody tell you. You've got to know that deep in your heart. You say, well, preacher, I believe that. I believe that's where Jesus was going. What does that have to do with where I'm going? That's where we come to the second point. If you follow him, you're also going to the cross. People invite me sometimes to different things, different events. But you know, there's some events you might invite me to that I'm just not going to. Preacher, I'm headed to the rattlesnake roundup. Have a good time. I'll see you when you get back. Preacher, ride this roller coaster with me. Tell you what, I'll be at the end waiting for you to get through. No matter how much I like you, no matter how much I love you, there's some places that you're going to go that I'm just not going to follow. Following Jesus will lead you to some dangerous places. Mark chapter 8, verse 34, it says, when he called the people to himself with his disciples, he said to them, listen to what he said, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, 
take up his cross and follow me. Deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. I wonder if that's why that verse says, uh, verse 32, they were afraid to ask him. Man, if Jesus is going to the cross, where does that leave me? If he gets betrayed, if he dies, what's going to happen to me? If he's going to the cross, where am I going? If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to the cross. You have to go to the cross to kneel, to surrender to him, to believe in him. You're going to have to deny yourself. Now, some people will listen to that and say, deny yourself. What in the world does that mean? If you've ever been a mother, you know what it means to deny yourself. Because if you have a baby, just been born in a few weeks, months, sometimes even years, uh, you want to go to sleep. You want to have a good night's sleep. And that baby's going to cry. Baby's going to need something to eat. going to need to be changed. And <laughs> your husband might, but you're not. You're not going to lay there and say, well, you know what? He'll be all right till in the morning. You're going to do without sleep to go take care of that, that, that baby. I, I'll tell you what, when you get married, it's that way, right? You get married, you find out that you can't wake up one morning and say, well, I think I'll go do what I want to do. And I'll forget about everybody else. Because you've got this other person that's part of your life you are joined to. You're going to deny yourself for them. Well, what Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to deny yourself for my sake. There are some things you are not going to do because you're following me. There are some things you are going to do you wouldn't be doing otherwise because you're following me. You're going to deny yourself. You're going to put him first at any cost. And if you follow him, you are not going to bear a cross or you're not going to wear a cross. You're going to bear a cross. And it's not going to be one of those nice little gold crosses that you wear around your neck. Billy Graham says, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to take up a cross. And when he said that, what he's saying is, come and bring your electric chair with you. Take up the gas chamber and follow me. He does not have a beautiful gold cross in mind or the cross on a church steeple on the front of your Bible. Jesus has in mind a place of execution. Jesus says, if you're going to follow where I go, you are going to suffer and you're going to die. Now, this flies in the face of our American religion of health, wealth, and success. We have preachers, Lord forgive them. We have preachers that said, if you have enough faith, Jesus will always heal you. And Jesus says, if you follow me, you're going to hurt. We expect him to give us a nice car and a nice house, nice clothes. He said, listen, if you follow me, you're going to do without. We expect him to help us be successful. He says, if you follow me, you're going to be a failure in the eyes of the world. If you follow him, this is where you're going. You're going to the cross. Now, we're in church. So everybody say, well, preacher, I'm fine with that. I'll follow him. I'll deny myself. I'll suffer for him. I'll die for him. The disciples said the same thing in Mark 14, 31. Peter spoke up. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. How many of you know that's not how it goes down. He didn't keep that promise. What's the difference between these disciples and you? 
Here's the difference. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't understand how it was all going to happen. But you do. You do. You and I are not confused. Jesus makes his command crystal clear. Follow me and you're going to go to the cross. Everybody wants to follow Jesus for blessing and happiness in heaven. But Jesus says, let me put it up front. We're not going to put it in the small print at the bottom. We're going to put it in large print at the top. If you follow me, you're going to the cross. Now, where are you going? Jesus says there's only two answers to that question. In Matthew 7, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. There are few who find it. You're going to follow Jesus. You're going to go to the cross. Um, there's, there's going to be a narrow way. It's a way that's going to not be, um, not be easy. It's going to be difficult. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to stay miserable all the time. But it does mean if you want life, if you want to have life lived to the fullest, that's the way you got to go. That's the way that leads to life. But that's not the last thing Jesus says here. Because he also says, when you're answering this question, where are you going? If you go to the cross with Jesus, you'll be, you will go beyond the cross with Jesus. The Romans are very thorough when it comes to executions. Nobody comes off the cross alive. And Jesus is no exception. He dies and they bury him. And his enemies want so badly to believe that's the end. But they are gravely disappointed. You hear what I did there? Gravely disappointed. Jesus says the cross is not his final stop. Verse 31 says, and after he is killed. After he's killed. There is no after you're killed, right? I mean, when you die, that's it. It's one of the things you have to deal with with someone that you love, passes away. You have to, you have to come to grips with the fact that they're gone. They're gone. And they're not coming back to visit. They're not, you can't pick up the phone and call them. They're gone. When you're dead, you're dead. But not for Jesus. After he is killed, he will rise the third day. Old preacher by the name of S.M. Lockridge put it like this. Herod couldn't destroy him, death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Jesus wants to make sure his disciples know, he wants to make sure you know that he's going to the cross. And because he's going to the cross, if you follow him, you're going to go to the cross. But he also wants you to know that if you follow him to the cross, you will also follow him out of the grave. Thomas Watson, an old Puritan preacher, said, We are more sure to arise out of our graves than out of our beds. Surely as Jesus walks out of that tomb, you and I will one day walk out of our graves. For all of us who trust Jesus, those who deny themselves, take up their cross and follow him, never-ending life, without pain, without sorrow, without sin. But in all honesty, I have to tell you, there's a dark side to that promise. Because even if you do not trust Jesus, even if you do not follow him, you will rise. You will rise. 
John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. Jesus says, For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Put your name in that all. That's you. One day you will hear his voice and come forth. But listen to what it says. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Every day, you take another step. You travel a little farther down the road. You get a little closer to the last opportunity to make your choice. The choice between living forever or being condemned forever. Where are you going? Man once met a young boy. Seemed like the boy was in a hurry. He asked the boy, he said, son, where are you going? He says, I'm going to church, sir. He says, what are you going to do there? I'm going to worship God, sir. Is your God a great God or a little God? He is both, sir. How can he be both a great God and a little God? He said, he is so great that the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. But he is so little, he can live in my heart. All of us made it to church this morning and the God of the universe has met us, but the question still remains, where are you going? Where are you going? You can go your own way, the road to destruction. You can make life all about your comfort and your ease and your pleasure. Or you can follow Jesus to the cross. You can follow Jesus and deny yourself Take up your cross. Live for him. Live for his sake. Or you can go your own way. That will make the difference, not only with how you live in this life, but it will make the difference for what happens after you die. I know a lot of people that have loved ones, grandmas and grandpas and, and uh, maybe children sometimes that you know, that have passed away. And uh, grandpa and grandma love, love the Lord, grand, you know, parents that love the Lord, little innocent children that, that pass away. And they say, one day when I go to, when, one day when I die, I'm going to see them again. Not if you don't go to the cross. Not if you don't follow Jesus. You will not see them again. Where are you going you will either rise to everlasting joy or everlasting misery. Where are you going? Would you bow your heads with me, please?